We are back yet again on the Thick Manning Podcast, and we are staring down a very long offseason, and we have much to talk about right now. The most important thing, the biggest thing to take place after the season, and in some cases during the season still, were the head coaching changes. There was a slurry of moves from some of our favorite teams, some of our least favorite teams, and I think it's important to briefly take a look at all the head coaching hires before we get into the nitty-gritty. Starting things off, we got Brian Damel, the former Bills offensive coordinator, coming to work his magic in the Big Apple and save Deion Jones' career, of course. Of course, it bears mention that Brian Flores was in consideration for the job, but after tens of hours of deep conversation, the Giants decide, hey, we're going to go with Dable. Next, you've got Doug Peterson, former Eagles head coach, quarterback guru, made Carson Wentz the man he is today, which is to say the man with two sprained ankles, going down there to hopefully give Jacksonville a steady head coach. Nothing like that last year. Bears note that the other head coach previously employed in Florida, Brian Flores, was also in considerations, but ultimately did not get the nod. Next up, we've got Kevin O'Connell, illustrious Rams offensive coordinator just won a Super Bowl, now is going to be leading the Minnesota Vikings, hopefully without Kirk Cousins very soon. Bears mentioning that Brian Flores was also in strong consideration, but at the end of the day, management and ownership decided to go in a different direction. Then we've got the great Nathaniel Hackett, who was there for some of the best years of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, off to the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos were looking for a lot of things in their new head coach, one of which was a connection to Aaron Rodgers, another one is a strong leader of men, and Brian Flores wasn't here for this job as well, but ultimately did not get the nod. Maybe because John Elway was slamming bourbon during the interview. Next, we've got Josh McDaniels, the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, was there for Brady's best years in New England. Flores also considered for this job, but ultimately did not get the nod. Then we've got Dennis Allen, promoted from within from the Saints, an illustrious defensive coordinator, very skilled. Hopefully, Peyton taught him well, but Flores probably considered for this job as well. We didn't hear too much about that interviewing process. Then we've got Matt Eberflus, hopefully I'm saying that right, don't really care. The former Colts defensive coordinator going up there to clean up the mess that is the Chicago Bears, and you think, hey, defensive coordinator, maybe you get one of the best defensive head coaches in football, and Brian Flores, that, no, he was considered in the process, but ultimately did not get the nod. And finally, the one place I am sure Brian Flores was not considered for, Mike McDaniel, the former 49ers head coach, some would say the architect of their running game, I would not be part of that some, got the head coaching job for the Miami Dolphins. So, as you can tell, a lot of action taking place at the head coaching role. Oh, and who can forget, Brian Flores is now the Steelers linebackers coach. So, what is your overall view of the coaching hires that took place this offseason, Tristan, just a broad statement. Do you notice a common theme, perhaps? I think the common theme is that the best head coaching candidate available did not get a head coaching job from any of the teams, which, you know, I feel like maybe would have gotten one if he didn't file a lawsuit against the NFL, but that is up for debate. Either way, he should have been the first one off the board uh, with the Giants, who I think made Brian Dable the one of the first head coaching hires. That's my general feeling on that. They made him the first head coaching hire before they officially made him the first head coaching hire, as we know from certain leaked text messages. <laughs> exactly. And can I go in on Brian Dable as our, as our first coach of discussion? By all means. Now, I feel very conflicted about the Brian Dable hire. On one hand, the Giants have an offensive mind that helped Josh Allen become an MVP candidate, and John Mara actually decided to hire someone that had zero previous connections within the Giants organization. When they hired Jerry Reese as the general manager, he was hired from within. When they hired Ben McAdoo, he had been the offensive coordinator and was a hire from within. When they hired Dave Gettleman, he had been a scout for the Giants for 14 seasons from 1998 to 2012. It is a good 
sign that the Giants went outside of the organization to hire their general manager in Joe Shane and then presumably let their general manager hire whoever he wanted. And now I also want to get to the parts I don't like. And I do think there are parts that Giants fans should be concerned about when it comes to the Giants future and the Giants this season because the the sentiment seems to be overwhelmingly positive from the Giants fan base. Joe Shane hired the offensive coordinator of his old team when there was a much more proven head coach in Brian Flores competing for the job who's shown that he was capable of winning football games in spite of poor offensive line play and limited quarterback play which is the current state of the Giants organization. Brian Flores shown he can succeed with what the Giants currently have on the roster and while I actually do believe Brian Dable can be a good head coach I also feel like the hire wasn't made solely based on the fact that he was the best candidate. There's the fact that he's probably Joe Shane's friend. Then there's the fact that the Giants organization has come overwhelmingly out in support of Daniel Jones and it has been leaked that the Brian Dable hire was made somewhat in an effort to develop Daniel Jones because they can believe he can still be the future of the franchise or at least they're capable of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. It is depressing to me to think that a shred of the reasoning around Brian Dable's hire was because they wanted Daniel Jones to succeed and Daniel Jones simply exists. Daniel Jones will never be an elite quarterback and his ceiling is realistically the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. I, he's not Josh Allen. Brian Dable's not going to be able to do with Daniel Jones with what he accomplished with Josh Allen in Buffalo. And uh, there's just certain elements to the hiring that caused me to become less optimistic about the Giants future and not as optimistic as the rest of the Giants fan bases when it comes to the new coaches the Giants have brought in. Statement was made by the upper levels of Giants ownership and management that they've done everything they possibly can to screw up Daniel Jones and make his first few years in the league hell. And I agree with that to a certain extent. I think Deion Jones has been behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, certainly one of the worst pass-blocking offensive lines, although their run blocking is not special either. I think his main weapon has been in and out of the lineup due to injury, and if you build your offense around the idea that Saquon Barkley is going to be there in preseason, only to have him disappear, that will throw a wrinkle into things. They also have the most overpaid wideout in football on the roster. So, Daniel Jones has been a bad situation, large part of that due to the offensive line, maybe even a larger part of that due to the terrible coaching he's been under. Joe Judge was an absolute clown from day one. I was fairly on the mark when I said he was not going to work in the NFL, both due to his style of uh, college-esque, pretending he's not coaching a bunch of multimillionaires and coaching a bunch of 18-year-olds, the fake tough guy I do, and the general offensive mind is that we are not going to do the short game all that often, even though we've got a terrible offensive line. So, he's in a terrible situation from day one. Do I think that this hire will fix Daniel Jones? Kinda. I think Brian Dable is better equipped than most other offensive coordinators to go into this position and help Daniel Jones, partially due to the fact the Giants will most likely invest at least two and maybe three first-round picks in their offensive line and make a point of their free agency to acquire offensive linemen. I think Daniel Jones will be better protected this offseason. That will give him a better opportunity to succeed. But I think you look at the plays Dable has called or helped construct for guys like Josh Allen, and you see, okay, this is what a young quarterback needs. Simplistic options, one read, two read, not overcomplicating things, not making him hold on to the ball forever, and giving him the option that, hey, you are an athletically gifted individual. You don't fumble the ball once you decide to run, so go ahead and run if you feel the need to. And I think that offense is the best possible fit for someone like Daniel Jones, who does not have the tremendous arm that Josh Allen does, but he doesn't have a noodle arm, and while he will struggle with fumbles and interceptions, he's not the worst decision maker possible. So if you give him simple routes and the option to run, I think Daniel Jones could conceivably be somewhere around the top 12 range of NFL quarterbacks. He's never going to have that upside of the truly talented individuals, but he can still be a very functional NFL quarterback, maybe go to a Pro Bowl. That'll be helped by the fact he's in the biggest football market in the country. So I don't think 
think everything is lost with Daniel Jones. You can certainly win with Daniel Jones as your quarterback if you have a really well-constructed team around him. The issue so far has been the team. So Dable is in a position to help Daniel Jones. That being said, if Jones fails after this year, it is abundantly clear that he is simply not meant for the NFL, and I am wrong. But... I think we will see a much improved Daniel Jones this year. I think Tristan will get a little bit back on the Daniel Jones hype train by this time next year. You just took the long approach to exactly the sentence that I said in my initial statement. You said I he said peaked a top Daniel 15. Jones, I think he's going to be conceivably a top I didn't say he throw. peaked. I said he has the potential and his ceiling is the 15th best quarterback in the NFL, which right now he's a lot closer to 25 he's than he is the 15th best. He's a lot closer to 32 than he is the 15. Right now. So I clearly think that he's has the potential to be better and I do think he's going to be better under Brian Dable it bothers me that part of the decision was made to hire Brian Dable because Daniel Jones exists Brian Dable should have just been hired because he's a great offensive mind proved that with the Bills and is capable of creating a winning culture with the Giants Daniel Jones should have had zero influence 100% get that sentiment but you look at the other coaching hours you look at the Doug Peters now you look at the Kevin O'Connell you look at the Mike McDaniels hire these hires are made with the idea that okay we are going to hire you as a coach because you share a similar vision to what we have or you are going to be able to work with the personnel we already have in place people are not going out there and hiring head coaches on the idea of what if like what if we get a good quarterback in two to three years you build with what you have and the giants don't have nothing brian flores could have clearly won with the personnel the giants already have yes but brian flores also has issues with young quarterbacks and it's pretty clear the uh giants have one Brian Flores has also come out and stated that there was never any issues with Tua and that it's been a hit piece, which I find more believable than why believe the organization over Brian Flores or people still within the organization over Brian Flores. They're clearly going to want to make him look bad and the NFL wants to make him look bad in general. So you're telling me it seems unrealistic that Brian Flores, after the, look, the intro I just put on should be a pretty clear statement that I believe Brian Flores isn't the right and should have been hired by a lot of these teams. That's clear, but you can't just tell me that there is is no chance he had issues with Tua Tungfiller, particularly when the stuff about him wanting Justin Herbert desperately is leaked to the public. So about him wanting Mac Jones is leaked to the public. Like, that could create controversy with his young quarterback who is struggling, impartial due to the fact he's got one of the worst offensive lines ever around him, but I don't know. The idea that he had an issue with Tua is not absurd to I me. Mean, I don't think it should be absurd to you just because of the source it's coming from. I just think it's overblown at the end of the day. Like, I think people are making a lot more out of that as they're trying to justify why Brian Flores should have been hired because anyone from an objective perspective knows Brian Flores should have never been fired as the Dolphins head coach. But we can move on to the yeah, whichever head coach you objective, want. Speaking of objective, let's talk about this. Well, we've spent 10 minutes, talk, 12 minutes talking about the Giants head coaching hire. Let's make a hard rule. We are done talking about Flores for the remainder of this podcast and try and speed things up a wee bit. Except when we talk about the Dolphins. Of course, that's the exception, obviously. But next up, let's talk about the situation down in Florida, not in Miami. Doug Peterson got hired at as the Jaguars head coach, and this is a pretty clear move. We are going to try and get the opposite of Urban Meyer, get the opposite of the fake tough guy who's going to come in there and shake up the NFL. We want an established guy in the league. We want someone who is experienced working with young star prospect quarterbacks and helping them develop. I think he got about as much out of Carson Wentz as is possible. You see what he's doing down there in Indianapolis. He looks like a turnover machine minus the turnovers. He is really a train wreck, but he was in MVP contention when he had Doug Peterson leading the offense. And I think that's what they're going for with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is undoubtedly a better prospect than Wentz and the future of that organization. So they're doing everything in their power to help him succeed. They're also going to go out and make some moves in terms of their offensive line wide receivers, I'm sure. But the Doug P. 
Peterson move is the first step to solidifying the Trevor Lawrence situation down Jacksonville. Uh, you know, I think Doug Peterson was dealt a rough hand from the Eagles and was a victim of Carson Wentz falling off a cliff. And he also was victim of a few really bad Howie Roseman drafts that gave him a weak and aging roster to be the head coach of. He is definitely better than Urban Meyer. He's established as a head coach. Okay, I hold, think on, hold on, hold on. That's not an achievement. <laughs> Um, I might be a better head coach than Urban Meyer at this point. I ain't in the chop house firing off my finger guns into a co-ed skeister, but... I, well, he's definitely going to be better than Urban Meyer, and I think he's capable, he's proven that he's capable of creating a winning culture, and I think he's capable of creating a winning culture with a different team other than the Eagles. The only thing that gives me cause for concern about the Jaguars' future and Trevor Lawrence's possible future and whether or not he'll ever succeed in the NFL is that Shad Khan is the Jaguars' owner, and it seems like he is completely incompetent as an NFL owner. He hired Urban Meyer and there's been a bunch of nonsense going on within the Jaguars front office. That's what leads me to believe that Doug Peterson may not succeed and Trevor Lawrence's career may be in jeopardy. Most NFL owners are completely incompetent. The reason I like Shotcon more than I like some people, Shotcon has shown a willingness to spend money. Now if he could just get his hands a little bit further out of the day-to-day goings on of the Jaguars front office that'd be for there and hopefully he's going to do that next season. I don't think there's a world to discuss we both seem to think that Doug Pearson is a solid hire for the Jaguars. Moving on to another offensive-minded coach, Kevin O'Connell was hired by the Minnesota Vikings, former Rams offensive coordinator, and this has very big boomer bust potential to me. Obviously, the Rams offense, Sean McVay, the greatest thing since sliced bread, hot young coach. You want to get guys from his tree, but at the same time, what is Kevin O'Connell going to look like when he has full responsibility of the option? He doesn't have one of the greatest minds in football helping him out designing plays, and what is he going to look like when his quarterback's Kirk Cousins with a mediocre offensive line. I mean, things are a little bit worse here on that side of the ball than in uh, LA. So it's going to be a bit of a adjustment for him. Obviously, Minnesota has the weapons of wide receiver, tight end, and running back, so that won't be that different, but the offense could definitely have some hiccups. As for the defense, I hope he hands the defensive coordinator job off to someone confident and stays completely out of it. So I'm tired of defensive-minded head coaches in Minnesota. Well, you know, Deshaun Watson may be the next quarterback of the Vikings and there's been a lot of rumors surrounding Kirk Cousins getting traded I saw possibly to the commanders I am not super high on this hire I think Jim Harbaugh should have been the Vikings next head coach has proven that he's can win games wherever he's been the head coach he won games at Sanford won games at Michigan he won games with the 49ers so I think he should have been the head coach but the reason I am optimistic is that it does seem like Sean McVay disciples have been succeeding in the NFL most recently Matt LaFleur has been successful as a head coach and hopefully he can revitalize the Vikings offense after Kevin Stefanski's departure to the Browns which the offense definitely took a step back after Stefanski was no longer running the show. Well to be Flair, LaFleur only succeed because he had old A.A. Ron up there in Green Bay giving him 13 three seasons every single year but it is hard to tell the McDaniels or the McDaniels the O'Connell hire will be one of those things you have to wait till the end of the season to see if it worked out or at least a few games in. Vikings aren't getting Watson and I would be shocked beyond belief if Kirk Cousins went back to the Manders unless he was dragged there kicking and screaming by someone's front office. Next up the final coaching hire of major interest in my opinion we have Mike McDaniels to the Miami Dolphins in replacement of the great Brian Flores who was fired for refusing to tank games and having terrible relationships with his young quarterback and Mike McDaniels is a weird dude. People are heralding him as a non-football guy a non-machine 
machismo, tough guy type of vibe. And some seem to think that's going to be a player's coach type dynamic that people are going to like him because of that. I think we have never quite seen a head coach like Mike McDaniel. He seems to be a bit like a hipster, honestly. That's the best way I can think of putting it. He's a strange NFL coaching hire in terms of his offensive scheme. Let's be honest, he was not running the offense over there in San Francisco. He is not responsible for their success despite having a mediocre quarterback. But he has shown a willingness to believe into a tongue of Aloha, which is a big step. And the Dolphins can do anything to fix their sorry offensive line. That will be another very big step. Well, the willingness to believe in Tua Tungavailoa is completely fraudulent. Anyone who believes any word that came out of his mouth on that cringy FaceTime video call that was released while he was on the private jet to go to Miami, I just don't understand how you watch that video and think he believes that Tua can be the quarterback of the Dolphins, a long-term solution for the Dolphins. So I found that bit of the hire a bit ridiculous, and it seems like he was hired with the responsibility of making Tua work. And I, I do think it was a good hire. He was a part of the 49ers offense that was incredibly dynamic. Now, does he deserve a majority of the credit for the 49ers offense? No, maybe 20 to 30%, maybe even 30% is too high. And overall, I'm around a B minus for this hire. Maybe it should also be an F because the Dolphins fired Brian Flores, who was the architect of that Dolphins defense, which is the only reason the Dolphins have won games over the previous two seasons, which I definitely foresee falling apart. I don't even know who's the current Dolphins defensive coordinator or if they've even hired one. You can buzz off that B myself. So why are we giving these arbitrary grades this is what is McDermott? Oh God, the grading of uh, coaching hires is something which is just completely wild to me, particularly if you're not going to drop the grades for the uh, rest of the contemporaries in the program. The FaceTime call I got on with Young Tua on the private jet, a little bit cringy, but it delivered the message that, hey, I actually am going to back you, which the narrative at the time was, and I think Tua might attest to this as well, that he did not have much backing from his head coach position. If you don't think Tua can see in the NFL, fine, that's another thing entirely. But there's a reason you considered one of the sure thing number one overall quarterback picks until he snapped his leg in half. He is a talented player, and I think if you set him up in the right situation, he has tremendous upside. It's just the Dolphins have been the exact opposite of that situation. I think it could be a good coaching hire if he can get on the same page as Tua and actually knows how to coach in the NFL. This is kind of the same thing as I was saying about Kevin O'Connell, though. I feel he should hand off control of the defense to someone else and talk to his defensive coordinator about three or four times a week and just let that side of the ball run itself. They've got the talent. They've got the athletes. You're an offensive-minded guy. Just take your hands out of it. There is also the fact that the Dolphins do not have the offensive personnel that the 49ers have. Mike Gesicki is a free agent, so they might not not even have him back as a tight end. Jalen Waddell is basically the only thing on that offense. The offensive line is nowhere near what the 49ers offensive line is. So I think the Dolphins are going to be a five-win team next season because I think no matter who is the defensive coordinator, it is going to take a step back and the offense is not going to be the 49ers offense, especially in year one. It's going to be interesting because the Dolphins, I believe, have 60-some million dollars in cap space. So that can probably get you some offensive linemen. That can probably get you... I think the offensive weapons they have, like Devontae Parker, could conceivably be fine offensive pieces. They've got the Wallace, they got the Parkers, they got a functional wide receiving core. If you just give the quarterback time to pass the ball and the running game will sort itself out, you can have a good running back regardless of their talent if you have a good offensive line. It's just how the NFL works these days. If you don't have a truly game-changing running back, you can get production in that position if you have a line, which is up to snuff. Last year wasn't, but 61 million plus some draft picks, and that can change a lot. 
and the offensive line will be the biggest investment this team makes in the offseason. But speaking of McDaniels, there is an interesting hire in the city of Sin. The Raiders decided to go out and get Josh McDaniels, former Patriots offensive coordinator who was there for many of Brady's glory years. Instead of sticking with their interim coach, the man who held their team together, the man who single-handedly dragged them kicking and screaming to the playoffs with, of course, the help of the illustrious Derek Carr. And Tony Sperano really should feel fairly upset. He did everything he needed to do to keep his job, to be promoted the full-time head coach. Hold on. Am I saying the wrong name? One second. Did you mean Soprano as in like the show The Sopranos? No, I said, I'm, Google has given me the wrong name. I've got the previous interim head coach. <laughs> Let's try this again. Rich Bassia. Bisaccia. yeah. Again, like, he's a good coach, but God bless him, I can't say his name. The Italians, assuming that's Italian, just completely elude me. But not a good sign, don't know if that was his name. He did everything he should have to keep his job and got fired for whatever reason. I guess they're hoping for the big upside of the Patriots offense, which is simply not going to happen. This is probably the worst head coaching hire, in my opinion. They should have stuck with their guy. Instead, they're going with the guy from the Belichick tree, and as we know, former Belichick head coaches, or coordinators, often do not work out on the brightest stage at the highest level. But hey, they could be onto something. Knowing the Raiders, they definitely aren't onto something, but tell us what you think, Tristan. I'm going to give out another uh, head coaching higher grade here. This is an F hire. He did not deserve to get another NFL head coaching job. The fact that he got a head coaching job before Brian Flores got his second opportunity is absolutely absurd. It is pathetic. He flaked on the Colts after accepting the job, hiring coordinators, hiring other coaches. He should have never worked anywhere else in the NFL besides the Patriots after deciding he wouldn't be able to win games as the Colts head coach. He showed an incredible lack of self-confidence, an incredible lack of self-belief when he returned to the Patriots as their offensive coordinator. Then there's also the fact his first tenure as a head coach completely failed with the Broncos, which was capped off by being fired due to a scandal where a member of the Broncos organization videotaped a 49ers practice. The Raiders should have stuck with Rich Bisaccia, who kept the organization afloat after the Gruden scandal, after the Ruggs tragedy, the, then there's also the Damon Arnett debacle. Rich Masaccio also won games with the best player on their offense and Darren Waller being injured a significant amount wasn't even on the field for a lot of their wins. I hate the Josh McDaniels hire. I, I also feel bad for Derek Carr because now he has to suffer through another bad offensive coach and offensive mind. To be fair, the offensive mind previous to the interim head coach wasn't exactly a bad offensive mind per se, just there were some uh, other issues which we do not need to get into. As for the decision not to go to the Colts, I and many others agree that Belichick promised him that he would be the heir apparent to the Patriots dynasty for whatever reason. That didn't work out, maybe because Belichick wants to prove Brady wrong and win a ring. Wow. He's without him. Who knows? I kind of understand that move worked out for the Colts. I got Frank Reich, hell of a coach. I don't like the hire. You don't like the hire. There's not really much more to say. The Raiders, yet again, moving in the wrong direction. There should never be a team in Las Vegas. What are you going to do? Next up, the illustrious Nathaniel Hackett, former Packers offensive coordinator. And this move is very obviously made for the reason to get Aaron Rodgers to the Mile High City. That's the only reason I can think of to make this hire. Obviously, fine numbers of the offense. But at the same time, you've got Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Big Bob Tunyon, A.J. Dillon. You've got a tremendously talented offense. You've got an amazing offensive line. That offense is going to succeed regardless of who you put behind the helm of it. So, the Hackett-Rodgers dynamic is 
the reason this hire was made. If it works out great, it's the right hire. If it doesn't work out, the Broncos are in for some more mediocrity. They need to desperately move on from their current quarterbacks, though, because Drew Locke is not the answer and will never be the answer. I don't like this hire much either, unless it gets Rodgers, in which case, hey, he's out of the NFC North. I'm happy. I actually, this is one of uh, the hires I like better out of all of them. And I think with Aaron Rodgers' most recent Instagram post that caused a stir in the media, it seems like he wants to play elsewhere in 2022, or is at least leaning towards playing elsewhere. And it does seem like the Broncos are once again desperate to get a veteran quarterback to replicate what they did with Peyton Manning at the end of his career. The best way to accomplish that is, of course, Aaron Rodgers and they are taking the steps to bring Aaron Rodgers in. And the hire will be all worth it if Rodgers makes his way to the Broncos. But if Aaron Rodgers retires or just isn't the Broncos' next quarterback, I still like the hire. Hackett was the offensive coordinator of the Jags team that made Blake Bortles look like a somewhat competent quarterback. He won playoff games with him, went to an AFC championship, and then he was the offensive coordinator of a Packers team that saw Aaron Rodgers win back-to-back MVPs. So to me, it appears like he's a good coach. He's led successful offenses in the end NFL. I do not hate the hire. I think it's a pretty good one for the Broncos. Well, to be fair, the reason Blake Bortles looked competent as a quarterback was because the Saxonville defense was playing at an all-time level. That helped him a tremendous amount. Blake Bortles never was anything special, but it's got some upside, I guess. If they don't get Aaron Rodgers, this hire is a complete wash, in my opinion. Next up, we've got Matt Eberflus from the Indianapolis Colts, headed off to the Chicago Bears, and he's cleaning up a complete mess, maybe the biggest coaching mess in the NFL. Chicago is wrecked to see. He's going to have to try and work with Justin Fields, rather. He's going to have to try and get an offense coordinator who can work with Justin Fields. Obviously, there'll be some inside knowledge to be shared to the young quarterback. The team hired a defensive-minded coach. That makes sense. That has been their identity for a very long time, dating back to that Super Bowl team, 1985. And I like this hire a good bit. I think the Colts had a very solid defense the year. He was leading the helm, and now the Bears will have a fairly solid defense as well. Not they already didn't have one. The question for that Bears team is always, are you going to keep losing games 14-10 to 10 or 17-13? to 13? If they figure out their offense, by all means, good. But the defense is the side of the ball. I am confident about in this higher firmer solidifies my confidence bears are never really going to have a terrible defense in my opinion just the way the team is i mean it's definitely good hire from the defensive perspective and you hope that he's able to create that winning culture i mean he definitely did it with the colts defense helped create one of the best defenses in the nfl so you hope he can create that winning culture but i didn't really understand the eberflus hire just from the perspective that justin fields is the bears quarterback he's going into his second season And I expected the Bears to get on the same train that the Giants did, that the Vikings did with the Kevin O'Connell hire, and hire a young offensive mind. I expected them to go out and do that. I didn't expect them to go get a defensive coordinator. So it's not one of my favorite hires. You hope for the Bears fans' sake, and you hope for the Bears organization's sake that it does work out, and that the defense, once again, is reestablished as a top five defense in the NFL. I'm not the biggest fan of it, and it also just doesn't really make sense to me, because I'm also a major major Justin Fields fan. Justin Fields is a next best thing since sliced bread in your opinion. You were very high on him. You're devastated when the Giants decide not to draft him. It's part of the reason you hate Daniel Jones as much to do. When half your games are going to be played in third degree weather when it's raining and or snowing, offense matters a whole lot less than it does in most other places. Having a good defense is a necessity for an outdoor stadium like Soldier Field in Chicago. So the focus on defensive mind coach makes perfect sense to me. That's the Bears identity as well. 
win some games. It's what keeps them relevant. They're never going to have a truly high-flying offense just because the environment they play. And I don't think that's that controversial of a statement. Lovey Smith. And the tech, the Texans are a pathetic organization. They are, they're an organization that really wanted to hire Josh McCown for whatever reason. Maybe they even wanted to actually hire Brian Flores. And I think they now hate Brian Flores. When the Brian Flores lawsuit came out, it placed emphasis on how stupid it would have been to hire McCown. And it didn't allow them to hire Flores because Flores is going back and forth with the league that they play in. He is suing the NFL. So when, when that lawsuit came out, they couldn't hire McCown because because in the media, emphasis would have been placed on how ridiculous it would have been to hire a head coach who has zero experience. I think he's maybe been a high school head coach and coached on the high school level. And when it comes to Lovey Smith hire specifically, it just doesn't make any sense to me. David Culley really deserved at least another season. He exceeded expectations by getting to just four wins and even beat the Titans and Chargers in his last three weeks, was succeeding with Davis Mills. So Lovey Smith, it feels like a worse version of what I think they hired David Culley to be kind of a stopgap one to three year head coach wound up being just a one season head coach and I don't really see Lovey Smith leading the Texans to the promised land as the Texans are probably going to be dumping Brandon Cooks in a trade dumping Laramie Tunsil in a trade and also dumping Deshaun Watson in a trade so I think <laughs> this hire was due to the Brian Flores lawsuit not, not much else your lack of knowledge never ceases to amaze man first off we're going to talk about how disrespectful you are being to the former head coach lovey smith the man who was succeeded at the collegiate level the man who is now behind the helm of the houston decks you're being very disrespectful him saying his hire is just a move to appease the nfl model the cancel coach that is incredibly disrespectful the reason that previous head coach was fired management the front office came to him and said hey can you run a slightly different offense the offense you ran last year stunk he said no they said bye and now we have lovey smith and lovey smith has said all the right things in the media he said we are going to try and regain capital for deshaun was and we are going to try and get good young players for the assets we are going to go. He said, why can't we be the Bengals? Why can't we be that? Why can't we be the young team who surprises a bunch of people? They've got the quarterback, and you'll laugh at that, mate, but Davis Mills does not look like a bad quarterback. He, in fact, looks like the best quarterback in this class, which I am willing to bet nobody saw that coming. Dropped into the absolute hell that is that Texan system. Davis Mills has found a way to thrive. He's clearly the franchise's quarterback of the future. I'd be very surprised they cannot find some success then, but they have the means to get meaningful assets back for Deshaun Watson, back for Tunzel, and get a solid team. And Lovey Smith appears to be the guy to do that. He was promoted from within. He is known in that organization. He's respected in that organization. He has the best goddamn beard in football. And now he is set to drive the Houston Texans bus to places it has not been for a few years. I think Lovey Smith might be the guy. He is going to lead this Texans team to success. Might not be this year. The roster still is very bad. They've still got a lot of holes. They've still got the cloud of Deshaun Watson hanging over them. I pray they can get rid of that cloud for the season starts because that really screwed them up last year. I think Lovey Smith will be a very good NFL coach. I think he will find success and I think he'll be fired prematurely because that is the lot of black head coaches in the NFL. For you to say he's just some token hire to appease people because they didn't want to hire a former high school head coach and NFL quarterback, that's just insulting. Lovey Smith is going to be a good NFL head coach. I am more than aware of 
Lovey Smith's history and you just blatantly throw that out there like I didn't do my research when I when I definitely did and the NFL is the definition of what did you do for me lately since his Super Bowl appearance with the Bears he has like a I believe it was 44 in 77 it was a really it was a losing record since his Super Bowl appearance and he was the defensive coordinator of one of the worst defenses in the NFL last season so he has not done anything recently name four Texans getting defenders. a head coaching position Justin Reed and I can't name any other so we've got one. Of that. maybe he's part of the one of the worst defenses in the NFL because it is simply one of the least talented defenses in the NFL the last time Lovey Smith did anything of note it was 2010 and just to be clear I think they wanted Josh McCown or they wanted Brian Flores I think they wanted one of the two and odds are they probably would have gone with Brian Flores because they know how ridiculous it would have looked if they hired Josh McCown I think they wanted one of those two and I think the lawsuit caused them to not pick one of those two I just don't understand where this disrespect is coming from like you're saying these things like he's had no success in the NFL he's had winning seasons with horrible quarterbacks like Kyle Lord De- over a decade like ago. Rex Grossman he's been put in the worst possible situations and yeah Yes, some of the time he's failed, but other times he succeeded. He's in another one of those bad situations. Difference now, he's got a repertoire established. But to say he's going to fail, I feel like you are coming down too hard on the Texans organization just because you want to bash the Texans organization. And hey, they're an organization you can bash by all means. They've done a lot wrong, but this high was certainly not one of those things they did wrong. Lovey Smith is going to succeed, maybe not next year, but certainly if they give him two, three years, he will find success, find a winning record with this Texans squad. It's not worse than the Josh McDaniel. Daniels hire, but it's not one of my one of my least favorite hires in the. Well, that's because you're an absolute and complete hater. But speaking of hires, which were made from within the organization, we have the great Dennis Allen from the New Orleans Saints. I have very little to say about this guy. Tristan and I share a similar sentiment. He is what we call C plus. That's it. Yeah, go. No, we're not doing the stupid great thing. He's a placeholder. He's there in case Sean Payton decides he's going to come back in the year once the uh, team has sorted its way out of cap hell and. Who knows? Maybe he can uh, stop the team from completely rebuilding and get a few wins. I doubt that. He is in a all-time bad situation. Like, we've talked about the Jaguars at coach situation. We've talked about the Giants. we talked about the Texans. The Saints with a billion dollars over the cap might be the worst possible landing spot for any head coach in the NFL. That is a rough scene down there in the New Orleans. I have the exact same sentiment. There's no pieces left on the Saints offense. Jameis Winston is even a free agent. He may find himself elsewhere next season. Taysom Hill or uh, what? I can't even remember the other guy's name right now. Mike is going to be there. No, the quarterback. Oh, God. I fucking forgot his name. I forgot his name. Dennis Allen, either way, is a major downgrade over Sean Payton. He did lead uh, very good Saints defenses over the past few years. So maybe he's able to keep the Saints defensive success. And the most likely scenario is that the Saints Saints get out of Cap Hill within the next two to three seasons, and then he's fired as a head coach, and the Saints bring in a completely new regime. Trevor Simeon, for the record, is the quarterback trust Nostrell to remember the name of, which that is not surprising. Former Broncos burnout. What do you expect? It's a rough spot. He's been set for failure. I'm glad if Ryan Flores was offered this job, he didn't take it because, oh man... The pundits in the media will have ripped him apart if he did take this job and fail like any other head coach, even Bill Belichick or Sean McVay would fail in this same system, but we'll have to wait and see. Thick Manning stands with Lovey Smith. We stand with the other no, beautiful coaching hires. We stand with Doug Peterson. We don't stand with Mike McDaniel. We pray for Dennis Allen because Lord knows he's going to need some help. This is the longest podcast that I believe we have done since our podcast inception all the way 
back in, what is it, 2018, 2019. Don't go back and listen to those podcasts because they're absolutely terrible. Like this video, subscribe to your YouTube channel. As of recording this, we're at 199 subscribers. If you somehow don't know our TikTok, go follow our TikTok and let us know what you think down in the comments below.